everybody, and welcome to another wonderful Web3 Wednesday. Joining me, George, on Polkstarter's Press Play Game Talk, coming at you every Wednesday. Make sure if you need any news, reviews, updates, or any of that stuff, you head over to polkstarter.gg, and we will begin today's space. Co-host, as always, Gaspodius Maximus Decimus. Say hello, Gaspodius. Hello. Fantastic. Another great intro there, Gaspard. Good job. I love the energy. Today we are looking at better tech, better games, and we are joined by Jeremy. So, Jeremy, if you could quickly introduce yourself to everybody that may somehow not know who you are. Oh, I'm sure most people don't know who I am, but first of all, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. I mean, Polka Starter is such a Big name in the space and one we refer to quite a lot at Exterio. Um, well, if you don't know me, I, I'm Jeremy Horn. I am a 15-year veteran of the gaming industry. I started my career in AAA uh, console and PC games at Ubisoft back in Paris, France. Uh, worked on some very large franchises like Far Cry and Raving Rabbids. I quickly made my way into the world of free-to-play. And that was 12 years ago. A very nascent space at the time, I think. Now everybody, you know, is familiar with free-to-play mobile game. But 12 years ago, the, the market was just like super different. It was, uh, I should check what iPhone version was the one um, at that time. But very new market. And I became uh, the lead pro executive producer and then general manager of uh, Gameloft USA. Uh, got lucky enough to work on, at the time, really big titles. Like Ice Age Village was massive. Minions Rush, I think that's the one most people know me for, um, and Cars and Spider-Man Unlimited and a bunch of others. I watched on like a total of like, oh, well over a dozen titles because we were shipping them so fast at the time. Those were the glory days of free-to-play where you could build a game in like, you know, six months, have very uh, small user acquisition span and still make uh, very, very good money back. The market obviously has changed drastically since then became a drill manager and co-owner of Tinyco back in San Francisco, uh, where we released just massive titles that you know cumulatively made over $1.5 billion in revenue. And that's Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery and Star Wars Rogue, Family Guy, Quest for Stuff, Futurama Worlds of Tomorrow, and a bunch of smaller titles. Um, and that was kind of like the explosion of my career where suddenly I had managed those massive brands Worked very closely with all of those licensors and you know some of the biggest IPs in the world. Oh, Marvel, as well, uh, being one of them. And then we sold the company to Jam City. Jam City is a large US-based free-to-play publisher. Uh, they are big, but at the time they were one of the biggest. Um, and we sold it, which was a great experience personally to sell you know a company. And I stayed at Jam City for five years as vice president of business, uh, where I was managing all of our. M&A, licensing, partnerships, publishing, operations, just basically everything under the sun. Um, you know, some really massive titles that came out of there too, but I was less involved on the day-to-day, -day, much more like helicopter parent of the business. And last year, I co-founded uh, Exterio. So Exterio is a uh, kind of like what we define as the next generation game publisher at the crossroad of, of traditional gaming, and digital ownership, aka Web3. And it's me and Michael Tong. Uh, Michael has been my friend for many years, and he used to be the COO of NetEase. Um, if you don't know NetEase, it's the second biggest gaming company in the world. And so 
when I approached him talking about the future of gaming, we just got really excited about the prospect of building something totally new and, and different uh, that would really solve some of the problems we see in free-to-play today. So to date, we raised, I think publicly, the amount is about like 70 million, and that's the public number. Privately, there's maybe a bit more. Who knows, maybe we're going to announce uh, more capital raised. But we raised capital from makers, and Binance is a huge investor of ours. Um, and XPLA and a bunch of like tier one VCs in the web three and gaming space. So for the past year, we've been, you know, we've been public, but we haven't really shown what we're building. Uh, and we're about to start disclosing a lot more about the tech we're building, the platform, the publisher structure, and how we're working on developing next generation game, but also publishing next generation games as well. That is an extremely impressive history that has brought you here, Jeremy. That is awesome to hear that you had a part in all of those things. Uh, my next question, you've touched on it slightly, and I've heard you say the name already multiple times, and I'm still going to butcher this and get this wrong. But what is Exterio? If you that's, could, like, yeah, that's, that's that more. Yeah, the one you're <laughs> saying it perfectly. I mean, you can say it the way you want. Uh, <laughs> it all works for me. Yeah, I think the, the best way to talk about it is first to talk about um, mobile game and free-to-play problems, right? And that's going to explain how we are approaching those, those issues and what we're building. So over the past decade, right, we've seen a couple of, of massive problems arise in free-to-play. One is increased production costs, right? As simple as that. What used to take six months to build a profitable game, you know, I can tell you, Harry Potter it took us almost three years to build. And, you know, it made, I think, to date, 1.1 billion, 1.2 billion gross, which is fantastic. But still, you know, it's huge budgets, uh, sometimes close to, you know, small AAA budgets. The second problem um, is user acquisition. You used to be able to acquire users for, you know, a couple of dollars. You were able to recoup that investment over a couple of months. But suddenly we've seen uh, cost per install scale to 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Honestly, I've even seen 40 bucks on some, in some genre, especially in hardcore genre. And that just makes the business like very, very challenging when your margins are very reduced um, and you need massive budgets, which is why, you know, when someone tells me I want to make a free-to-play game, I'm like, today, forget about it. If you're not a Zynga, Scopely, King, Activision, you just don't have the, no matter how game, good the game is, you don't have the marketing spend ability to succeed. You're going to be like crushed, right? I think today in free-to-play, it's more important to have great marketing than product. You can have an average product, but if it's marketed really well uh, and you've got massive treasury, uh, you, you can scale a, a product to some extent. And kind of like the nail in the coffin has been last year with the changes to IDFA, which is the privacy guidelines for Apple and Google. But basically, kind of cut the ability to target at a granular level where you, now you just had like anonymous data or only partial data in order to find and acquire the right users for your game. And so instead of being able to kind of like target and select the right people to see your ads, you were just spending, I wouldn't say in the dark, you have some data points, but we went from like hundreds of data points to just a couple. And so your spend efficiency just like reduced a ton, 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 which meant you have to spend more in order to like potentially recoup at a smaller tick. And so those are massive, massive problems, right? Uh, meaning that we should have played a super mature market and there's really not a ton of room for 
business innovation, right? It's going to be like AAA. There's some big, big uh, players and they almost capitalize the entire market. And so what was interesting to Michael and I when we started, or when we started discussing Stereo was this idea of um, resolving two problems, which is one, uh, key performance indicators in free-to-play, such as retention rate, monetization rate. And what we learned very click quickly uh, was that you know, digital ownership, like anything else, increases retention and monetization. So if you own a digital asset in a game, let's say Fortnite, you will come back more than if you do not, right? And there's a bunch of, of stats out there that, that prove it. And if you were able to increase retention and monetization, suddenly we can absorb a lot more of the, those you know, costs around marketing. But then it's the idea of, okay, there's a brand new advertising channel that is emerging via Web3, and those are like proprietary channels or different ways of leveraging uh, identity through wallet recognition and fingerprinting. And that helps reduce the cost per install, right? So basically, you've got better performing games, and you can acquire user cheaper. So what we started building is kind of twofold, right? Games, and we can talk about you know Overworld, Edge of Dino, all of the flagship titles we're building internally as a proof of concept of that tech. Um, but in parallel, we've built building a lot of um, tech tools around publishing, from user acquisition on Web3 channels to uh, identity um, profiles via that reconciled your Web2 life and your Web3 life. And we can talk more about how we're building that. Um, and we're also giving all of those services, be it wallets, custodial and non-custodial, marketplace, user acquisition channels, uh, data, live operations across Web 2 and Web 3, reconciling uh, your mobile game uh, and your Web 3 game in the back end so that assets are permanent, regardless of if you're connected uh, to a wallet on your mobile or not. And we're starting to provide that to uh, our partners. And we're not a B2B business. I want to make it super clear, right? When I talk about those, those tools, they're proprietary, and we only offer them to uh, partners who agree to uh, work with us and build you know, that next generation of games uh, that leverages all of that tech, but also is working around a central token that we have not yet launched, but big announcements are coming called Extra, which is our ecosystem-wide uh, token that allows deep inter interoperability but also allows for like very vibrant uh, financial ecosystem. I think they're really good, interesting points. I like the idea to do with user acquisition. I think it's something that a lot of projects forget about when they get excited about where they might be able to get their game out in front of people. But just getting there is kind of not even half the battle. The amount of money you then have to spend is just phenomenal, like you say, with those examples. And it, it's also interesting to hear you mentioning kind of future tech and how that's going to help develop it. Can't really touch on future tech without discussing AI. And I know you've got an interest in that just from other bits as well. How is AI playing a part in kind of what you're building? Yeah, um, that's something that we're, you know, I have to, to give credit where it's due. Uh, my co-founder, Michael, is the one who's like super passionate about AI. Like he breathes, leaves it. Um, and he's been driving that project. But together, we're building uh, Palio. Um, and that's always kind of like a problem-focused approach where, you know, it's clear that AI is transforming 
or is going to transform our lives. But the way language uh, modeling currently works tends to be unadapted to you as a human being, right? So you can ask uh, ChatGPT or Llama2 a question and you're going to get a very neutral, uh, I wouldn't even say objective, but objective sounding response, right? So you're going to say, oh, I feel depressed. How do I get better? And it's going to give you kind of like a, a borderline a doctor's note, right? Eat well, sleep well, uh, exercise. But that is totally abstracted from your personality, right? And if you talk to a friend, that person is not going to recite like, well, you need to eat well, drink well. They're going to say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear, man, what's happening? Like, well, I'm depressed about this. Oh, I get it. And I think empathy of AI is going to be a big problem in the future, right? Because you never want the information to be provided to you without context, without tone, without voice, without personality. And so we're working with uh, a very large partner. We can't disclose who it is yet. A very large partner that has done you know, some of the best work when it comes to language uh, modeling and contextualization of information. And together, we're working on a, a big project uh, where we're building an AI agent. An AI agent essentially means an AI companion, right? That we want that companion to be an extension of your real life uh, so that this character that will allow you to create you know, well, borderline limitless when it comes to imagination. There's like very, very few limit, but you can say, hey, I want a dragon or I want a male or female companion with that type of hair or maybe they're alien, whatever. Uh, and you're going to be able to not only communicate with that person, that with that AI, but that AI is going to learn from you, right? So I tend to be more of a, you know, <laughs> neutral or pessimistic individual. I've got a pretty stern, like, gravitas stone, uh, and I like sarcasm. And over time, the AI learns that I like sarcasm, learns that I like information to be processed in a specific way so that it blurs the line between AI agent and friend, right? We'll never pretend it's a real friend. You need your real social life. But the information is going to be processed in a way that is digestible to you. And so you can ask that, yeah, hey, I feel depressed. How do I get better? And it's going to be sounding more like a friend in both text and voice. But then you can also use that AI agent to say, hey, I really need to take a trip to Brazil, right? Can you look for a flight? And that uh, is going to connect to existing API uh, that we've got partnership with so that you can book your flight directly so that you can reserve a seat for the movie theater and just kind of like having this like easy... A companion that can not only interact with you, but also support your daily needs, right? From doing the groceries online, all the way to telling you about a recipe or telling you what the news is about. So we're making, we're making like a shit ton of project of progress on this. It's going very, very fast. And thankfully, we've got amazing partners supporting on the language modeling. Um, but it's really cool, man. It's really cool in the sense that at times it kind of blurs, you know, this like... Um, separation between men and machine uh where even me at times uh, i know it's an ai i know it's just computer but at times my heart uh or it tugs on on the strings of my heart and i feel like oh man what if what if this there was like a sentience there which i know there's not but the fact that at times i've got this like doubt for a microsecond is really really interesting to see where uh, i think the future of ai is going and so that um those companions are going to live on the exterior ecosystem. They are part of the extra token ecosystem. They're usable across 
uh, all of our games. Every time you, you know, may do a purchase or anything uh, with the companion, it's going to also leverage the extra ticket, the extra token as an intermediary, and that's how we, you know, as a business, create a viable uh, model. But then we're going to also apply uh, that tech to quite a lot of uh, our titles. One being Overworld, which is uh, kind of the, the one I'm, I'm now the most famous for. So that some characters in the game are going to have that uh, tech baked in and just talk to you in like a very contextualized way, right? So if I talk to a blacksmith, he's not going to tell me about, um, you know, Biden or Trump in the real world. Is only going to talk about the world of the game because that's the only information we're going to limit that AI to. So you're a blacksmith, you're you know strong, you've got a gruff voice, uh, and you only live in like this town and maybe like I've explored outside of the town. But that character will never refer to something that is not within the parameters of the game. And that I feel like that's super exciting because it unlocks a ton of in-game interactions uh, that I'm just, as a consumer, really excited about. All of that sounds amazing. I love the idea of an AI learning my sarcasm and my humor, as I have met many a people in my life that have yet to have been able to learn my sarcasm and my humor. So if I can get all my jokes out of the way on an AI that is learning from me, that sounds fantastic to me. And the idea of having the NPCs feel as if they are a person in that world, like you mentioned the blacksmith and his world, his reality is only what is in the game's world. And that's where he's drawing from his AI answers, but still being able to utilize that same tech to make it feel real when you're speaking to this blacksmith and help with the immersion into the game would, would definitely be fantastic. And I am super keen to see stuff like that. Um, and bringing it round to gaming as itself, otherwise we'll get stuck on AI for the whole time we are here. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is Overworld? Yes, so Exterior has a total of uh, four flagship titles right now. So when I say flagship titles, they're built by our own team, with our own staff, um, you know, by proven experts of a specific genre. Uh, so that's going to be Overworld, uh, that's being built primarily by me, Jeremy, and a team in the United States. Uh, we're all experts in what we've been doing from you know, the ex-CTO of the label to uh, James, who was the art director of Craft uh, and PUBG, um, to a very famous designer we're going to be announcing that just joined uh, our team. So there's Overworld, there's uh, 3T, built by the ex-lead of Call of Duty Mobile. Uh, we've got Paleo, our AI project, and finally, uh, a, a forex game titled uh, Age of Dinosaurs that is built by experts coming from uh, FunPlus and other uh, experts of, of the strategy in general on mobile. And you know what? Taking this like multiple shot on goals approach, uh, because one, we need to expand our offering uh, and make sure that our platform has like starters so that we attract other partners to come with us. And I think, you know, the best way to build a platform is really to have a successful title. It's the classic example of there would be no Steam without Half-Life and there would be no Epic Store without Fortnite. Um, you need something that kind of generates interest and proves your, your model. So we've got those four internal titles and then we've got a couple of, of game partners um, that we're publishing the uh, games. And some of those are already on our, on our title, on our website. 
but others are going to be announcing in the future. So, you know, overall, that is probably the one that people have been the most excited about. And that's just because we announced it first. And I think it's the biggest in terms of scale and ambition. Um, and Overworld is a free-to-play plus Web3, so you can say Web2.5 or, or, or Web3, whatever you, you want to. I'm not big in terminology. I, I think about fun and experience more than uh, verticals. And it is a full 3D third-person RPG set in a Western meets anime uh, fantasy universe where you're able to you know, fully create your character, train the character, the skills of that character, go on adventures uh, in temples, dungeons, explore towns. It's multiplayer, meaning uh, there's you know other players in the universe. And I think the key Web three element that truly differentiates it from any other RPG out there is the bet on um, on finite resources, right? And finite resources is, in my mind really critical for Web3 gaming, right? If supply is infinite or if supply is diluted, then what happens is what is happening right now in the NFT market, right? There's just like uh, a depreciation of assets because the utility and value is just not there. And so taking this approach of finite resources means that everything in the game is created by users, right? Uh, or almost, you know, we create, the, <laughs> we create the towns, we create the environments, we create the story, we place... Uh, some elements, um, kind of like basic elements in the world, like, you know, here's an iron deposit or here's like a uh, bone collection. But everything is going to be crafted by users in terms of equipment, in terms of houses, chairs, uh, anything that, you know, the player needs to create and we're creating the recipes for those. But then players are going to be the one creating the, the sword or the armor or, you know, food or whatever you want. And those things are, either totally finite, right, such as iron, or they're semi-finite, such as like fish, for example, right? If you deplete a pond totally, it, will be, it, won't, you know, it won't fill out unless you put new fish into it and let them breed and over time recover. It's the same for trees, where if you cut them all, it's going to take a very long time for that part of the forest to come back. And so you're able to like, yeah, cut wood, mine, go back to town, either work with an existing NPC like a blacksmith, but also train your own skills so that uh, at some point the blacksmith level is, is capped so that you need to be the one either smithing or finding another player that has the specific level of smithing and create the next generation, the next level uh, of item. So really big, really ambitious, uh, somewhat risky just because it's never been done. But I feel like, you know, uh, if there's no, no risk, there's just no chance to win anything in the in this market you need to be bold um and really fun battle system where it's a mix of real time but with a like splash of turn by turn so it feels real time when you look at it uh it's totally real time but in the back end we actually are doing some stuff that uh, calculates actions based on some probability similar to uh, turn by turn so if you've played like Baldur's Gate 3 recently or uh, Final Fantasy 12 and 16, which are my favorite, uh, it mixes a lot of those inspiration into a brand new and novel game battle system, which has never been done uh, before. It's, it's the first time I think someone has created such a battle system. I think it's super fun and it's the future of RPGs. Um, but yeah, t time will tell. Um, you know, status of the project. I mean, 
the PFP has been done for a while now. All of marketing assets have been, have been done. We could launch the PFP anytime, but you know, in this market, uh, I just don't see the point, right? And it's not about selling out. As I always say, like one or two million dollar more in our treasury is like nothing, right? We we raised eighty million, and uh, we've got a couple of you know more capital coming. Um, it's really about momentum, right? If I want to build a brand, I can't launch something and even free and see the floor price and the, the volume not, not move. That's just like unacceptable to me. I need to create excitement and desire so that we can execute on all, all of our uh, 360 media plans. So we postpone demand, you know, there's two options, either when the market seems to recover and I feel like it's a good time to like, you know, finally get get out the brand create excitement for the game or we'll launch it uh, jointly with the game so it's one of those two options we remain flexible we're ready whenever um and when it comes to the game i think we're going to do a closed alpha later later this year probably a closed beta uh in q1 or very early in q2 uh next year so a lot is happening we've been pretty quiet on social media right now but it's just because i think the the market itself not just financially is in winter mode, but also social media around Web3 and NFT is also in this like winter period. And, you know, like a bear, I'd rather sleep and, and recover during that period rather than try to, to chase impressions and comment in a like pretty deep uh, nuclear winter. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, a lot of people kind of forget about the momentum that can be lost if you don't play the timing right. But I'm going to go slightly on a tangent in a selfish direction because me and George both have a very favourite game called Life is Feudal, uh, which has very much similar kind of role-play systems. And I ask everyone who says they're building one of these games if they've heard of Life is Feudal and if they've played it before. So have you played Life is Feudal? No, I have not, uh, which I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm missing out now. Uh, Life is Feudal. So good. I'll, I'll, I'll play it uh, right after this. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, uh, their payment provider stole all their money and they went bankrupt, so it doesn't exist anymore. But it was very God, good. God. Um, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure I can find a... Okay, it was 2000, 2014, yeah, so it's not it's not anything recent. But I'll, I'll look at videos and check it out. But uh, to go back to the, the questions, you've, you've touched on it slightly with mentioning um, the difficulties that kind of the wider markets facing around free-to-play as well as the idea of being free-to-play but also Web3. How do you see all of those along with mobile kind of interacting when it comes to your users and the kind of audience that you're going to attract? Yeah, I think that's that's where, you know, I tend to be a bit of a contrarian about the future of Web3, right? Where, when I hate the term Web3, like I, I straight up hate it. And Web3 gaming, what's a good Web3 game? Like this is such a freaking terrible term because it makes it sound like it's a separate vertical right it makes it sound like it's a separate market but when you look at the market there's very little users right it's just it's the reality i was talking with a very large um distribution platform i'll, I'll call them that and they told me oh we have twenty thousand monthly active users i mean that's fucking ridiculous like <laughs> i've never had a game that had I mean, less than 200,000 users is like a pretty, it's a disaster to me, right? It's just like, it's just terrible. And monthly active users is just terrible. And so I'm, I'm not a fan of the term like, oh, it's Web3 Gaming, you need to build. Like, 
you have to remember that the motivations are different and you need to understand those motivations and you need to cater to those users and motivations in different ways, which is one, mostly Web3 is going to be um, investor-minded or investor mindsets, right? And there's a ton of value there because they're creating your initial community and that community, to your point, is creating momentum and you need to have this, these evangelists that really are able to push the brand forward. And you see it working very well, let's say, with Pudgy Penguin, right? Pudgy Penguin, is it a Web3 brand? They, they don't call themselves that. They don't even say NFT on Instagram or Twitter, but their floor price is fantastic. They've got a super strong community. They've got excellent volume. But most of their revenue, right, is coming from selling toys, selling plushies, licensing the brand. But they're using that community as the, like, you know, the starter, the bid, you know, the fire that then explodes and like grows and grows and grows. And that fixes a lot of those issues I mentioned earlier around cost per install, right? It's like you need to build a community that is going to allow you to reach out to a lot of users uh, without needing to spend hundreds, you know, of millions of dollars in marketing. Right? I think there's nothing better than uh, kind of like individual to individual marketing. And so in my mind, you still need to go to where the players are. And where are the players? They're on PC, they're on console, they're on mobile. I think the challenge in the past year has been the guidelines from Apple and Google especially. But you know, a month ago, Google announced some changes that are really critical to how you're able to have in-game assets that are on-chain. And I suspect that Apple is going to do some of those changes as well, right? Um, so our games are all going to be available on PC and mobile, that's for sure console, I sure hope so at some point whenever there's like clarity from PlayStation and Microsoft. Um, meaning you can play Overworld, uh, you know, free to play, you start a new character and we let you explore the world, right? And I think the magic is going to be in balancing the Web 2 and, and Web 3 aspects where a lot of the tech we've built is around what we call reconciliation, right? Friction is death in free to play. Like a bad tutorial, you lose players. The wrong pop-up, you lose players. Confusion, you lose players, right? So the entire free-to-play game is how do I ma maximize retention? Not just long-term, even like in the first hour, right? How do I keep as many people in the game as possible in hopes of them at some point spending money? So the idea of having like, oh, connect your MetaMask and put all the information and like, yeah, I'm like all right, you're, you're done. You'll, you'll never win, you're, you're a loser, right? We want those players to be able to fully play the, the game and have the option to tokenize certain assets. Let's say, oh, I, I crafted this sword or I defeated this enemy, I got this cool um, stone. You can then come to our platform, be it uh, on mobile or be it on you know, your PC, go into our browser or launch our client, connect your account, and that's just you know, your uh, email or your Apple login or your Twitter login, whatever you used on the other uh, first login. And then we reconnect everything for you and we say, okay, you've got all of these items in your free-to-play inventory. Now they're in your inventory on the platform, meaning you can trade them, you can sell them, you can do whatever you want with them, which allows you to, let's say that sold you've crafted, you sell it to another player on the exterior marketplace. But when you're going to come back to your game, well, that sword is not there anymore. But at no point have we asked you to like connect your MetaMask. You can do it. You can move assets across wallets. But I think for the majority of players, they just want 
a simple couple of clicks experience, right? Hey, I did this singing game. I got some maybe extra tokens or I got, um, you know, a reward. I want to trade it. And then I want to come back to the game. Uh, if you do it on the PC version, of course, it's all in browser, in like in client. You never need to go on our website. The marketplace is embedded in the game. On mobile, we have to, to reconcile. And so that's what I'm really excited about. It's kind of this abstraction of like, oh, Web3 gaming. Like this is, this is not a thing. People just want great experiences. And what we've built is removing a lot of the friction, the friction that has been you know, preventing Web3 to, to scale, right? Just, uh, I don't think anybody can name one today, one successful mass market Web3 game. Uh, not, not one, like not even Axie today is, mar is mass market, right? Um, because we're like in this post speculative period where liquidity is thin. But you, you can name me a hundred mass market games, or if not more, that are winning today on you know, free to play or PC. And so we're trying to kind of reconcile those worlds. We're trying to merge them into one thing that, from a user facing perspective, is just fun. And oh, you also have this like digital ownership advantage where you may make a little bit of money, right? And the way I think about making money in Overworld and our other games is similar to how I think about. Uh, magic cards, right? Like some cards, you know, have been sold for like 2 million and it's a one out of one, right? But most cards, if you go to the store, they're going to worth like a buck, two bucks, right? And having this scalability between, you know, hey, you want to engage at the highest level and you're going to chase this like, this is the demon stone. It's a one out of one, but it does all of those things. Well, then price is going to be tied to that, right? Around rarity, around supply, around like what you can do uh, with it, which goes back to kind of like the utility and the importance of utility in Web2 Gaming. So many parts of that that have now given me more questions to ask you, apart from the next one I was going to go on to. My first point is going to be your line about Connect MetaMask, you've lost them. Yeah, I have tested so many Web3 games that my first initial experience, if it was a free-to-play game on my mobile, and I wasn't literally like my job to test these games, I wouldn't have got past that first barrier. Whereas I have pushed myself and forced myself to get through certain things just because testing the games is my job. But you are so right with saying some of those things, if you go to the free-to-play world, especially in the mobile, and they've got these small inconveniences when they first start, you have lost that player. You're not getting them back. Another thing I was going to ask about is because you're talking about how you're bringing it to mobile as well for accessibility, and then it's also on PC. On PC, is it only going to be a um, like a download client game, or do you foresee a way that this can be played within a browser as well? Just because I see that as the easiest and most accessible way to play on a PC. It it really depends on the scale of the project, right? Um, so some of our games uh, are going to be browser and client, depending on how you want to play. The moment you have, you know, Overworld is, is gorgeous. I mean, we're spending a shit ton of money in making just incredible graphics, right? I, I haven't shown anything except uh, I showed like a rug that we modeled and textured for the game, right? And I just posted that as Jojo because I was like, it is fucking crazy to me that our, our rugs are so detailed, right? Because we've got an army of people just building those assets. There's no way I can load that's like, you know, large texture sheet on browser. Uh, I think some games like Overworld, they will have to be client. Uh, they'll be available on Dexterio as a downloadable client, but also on Steam and on, on Epic Store and wherever 
um, wearable layers. But some of our games, like Palio, for example, Palio is going to be fully uh, either app or browser, uh, and you can do both uh, seamlessly. I think it's just a you know, technical limi limitation. Um, but I, I have to, to agree with you. I do think browser is the best way to scale, especially globally, because some people don't have a war machine uh, of a PC uh, to play the game, or they don't have the latest generation iPhone that is able to like, run a game without you know, burning the battery. But we want to be able to provide us a diff, you know, different type of experiences. Right? I think we're, what I like about our team is that we're very humble about saying we need to try things because in this market, it is very unclear to know what is going to win, right? And anybody, I think I always have a big problem with people who want to pretend they know everything and they're going to win, right? Which we've seen a lot in the NFT PFP culture. It's like, I'm a fucking winner and it's going to be great. Well, one year later, like all of those PSPs are either worthless or they don't do anything, right? I always liked leaders. And when I hire people, I like people who just answer, hey, I don't know, but let me get back to you, right? And we have this attitude where we say, hey, why don't we try multiple strategies? Some are going to be smaller. Some are going to be larger. Some are ambitious. Some are safer. Some are weird. And we'll see, right? And out of those learnings, of course, I hope all of them win, right? It's like I'm financially motivated by all of those games becoming billion-dollar properties. But the reality is, having made games for 15 years, honestly, sometimes you don't know what's going to work, right? I've, I've had some big surprises, right? Just working on Minion Rush, for example, I was working on it for a long time, and I was like, nobody wants to play that game, right? Minions and they run... It turns out I was fucking wrong, and I was working on it for a very long time, putting my heart into it, but not feeling confident. And sometimes the opposite happens, where I'm like, oh, people will love this, Futurama. Uh, people love Futurama. It's going to be massive. We're applying everything we've learned from this other game. And it was a dud, right? So I think you just need to, to, to be aware of the fact that you never have a perfect finger on the pulse of the market, uh, and that's why we're, we're trying all of those experiences. But yeah, long story short, some will have to be client technically, just like, you know, one of my, the example I give constantly to our team is like Genshin Impact and uh, Honkai Star Rail, just because I think they are closest competitors in terms of, of scale. Uh, there's no way you can play that in the browser. It's just too, too, too much to load. And some other experience, smaller ones like our strategy games um, or Palio are going to be uh, fully browser playable. Awesome. I love the idea of that. There's going to be a selection that will be able to be played by everyone. So accessibility is there, but not necessarily for all games. I am painfully aware that some games do need to be as a download. Otherwise, they're just never going to be as pretty and as deep as they possibly could be on a browser, as I have sat through many a browser loading trying to get into a game. Um, Going back to one thing you said uh, previously as well, and you were talking about how they would take their resources onto your platform and they could trade um, those resources with each other, not necessarily having to commit their MetaMask, but that is a possibility of something they can do, swapping it through wallets, that sort of stuff. With that sort of supply, and it's a resource in a game, which is going to be, I would assume, infinite, how are you going to control the scarcity within that? Is there going to be built in like recycling mechanics to try and keep the number down? Or is it going to come in ebbs and flows where right now everyone's got loads of wood because people had stockpiled it and flooded the market, but now the price has gone to shit and they're now having to go out and get stone to sell or something? Yeah, great question. And definitely like the biggest risk for Overworld. So... 
the way we think about it is yes, recycling for sure. Like we need to allow every object to be like broken back into primary materials, right? Or at some point, uh, that's just not going to be enough, right? Uh, and you know, things at some point will get obsolete, right? An iron sword when we launch, you know, update six, and now the meta is the demon sword. Like we need to make sure that people can break their old or sell their old iron sword and get the basic iron because you need it to forge the new version of the demon sword, right? So recycling, 100%. The way we're going to control supply is kind of twofold. Number one is updates. So when we unlock a new zone, for example, we may make sure that the base supply in that new zone, right, we unlock a new area of the theme park, we may say, hey, you know what? The world is very short on wood. Can you include a big forest on the side of this zone just because we need to like monitor it a little more. That's number one. The second one is going to be through our central bank. Um, so we will own quite a lot of material ourselves, right? Um, we, we don't sell it just to, I want to be super clear. Uh, we're not making any money out of it, but in our central bank, just like in the real world, we may have emergency uh, resources where hey, there's like a massive issue in the world where we don't have like any, you know, iron left. Um, we may be able to like, you know, drop a significant amount in the market just to stabilize it. Because our goal is not to preclude anyone from being able to start the basic, the base game, right? So we may do at some point, if there's no more iron and it's becoming a blocker for new users, we may give a pack uh, to new users who reach level three of iron, like a small one, just to like, help us help them like at least get into like the thick of the game rather than just be like oh well i'm level three and i, I can't even get uh iron to build a basic uh, loadout right so but that's always going to be uh not only fully disclosed how much we have in the central bank one you know we do not sell it i hate games that kind of like have this uh, you know the developer makes money <laughs> on a fictional resource like uh, it's not my cup of tea right i like to make money when people give me a dollar and I, I want to keep it that way, but we may use a central supply in order to alleviate some problems, but we'll always communicate it and make sure that uh, it's well understood by, by players. I like the idea of a kind of central supply being able to help, especially for new players. Uh, going back to life as feudal, you could start the game and if you couldn't find an apple, which only grew once a month, and that is like a real life month, uh, you couldn't do a lot of the early tasks. So it kind of locked you out for a solid month of play. And I still loved it. Um, but I think the idea of being able to give people some who are kind of newer to the game so they don't get put off by it is a really good way of doing it. Um, as we come closer to the end, looking out into the future, what are you excited for in the next three to six months? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. So one, uh, we are about to launch our real platform. We have a like, kind of, I don't want to say bad, but you know, basic website. We didn't spend much time because we're actually building. So we're launching the real exterior platform, which looks absolutely stunning, uh, has a ton of features around asset management, trading, marketplace, um, launching a very big uh, partner program. And there's two of them actually. One is for uh, games, so letting you know games apply to become an exterior published title, and there's different like scale of partnership and and publishing all the way from like we do quite literally you become like part of us, and we've got a very strong classic web two publishing deal, all the way to like smaller scale around uh, specific collections and mints where we can help you. Um, the second one is the um, 
partner how do, how do I go? partner partnership I forgot how we, we named it but basically um, if you want to become uh, like polka starter wanting to become a partner to uh, exterio as you know tester of games reviewing games getting uh, information before before anyone else was st starting this big kind of like uh, researcher in residence slash uh, early playtester uh, influencer evangelist uh, program but you know beyond that um, maybe we're going to announce more capital raised who knows uh, <laughs> and then it's going to be quite a lot of like reveals for our titles so we've got we're going to do a big demo later this year of palio uh, it's getting there. It's really getting there. So I think we're not too, too far from that. Definitely uh, last quarter of this year, launching our strategy game. Uh, it's either going to be soon or it's going to be January. And the only reason it's such a big difference is because of uh, cost per install during the you know Christmas winter break period that tend to like really uh, get pretty high. Uh, but soft launching it uh, pretty soon. The alpha of Overworld, of course, the... Um, 3T Alpha, they're having a big uh, playtest in Bali uh, later this month, which I'm really jealous about uh, that they did not invite me to come. Um, and finally, the extra token uh, listing, which is, which is a big one. Um, and if you've seen you know, recent news of who are our partners, I'm sure you can put one and one together around that. Awesome. It sounds like you guys have got a lot of exciting stuff to be looking forward to. And for anyone listening out there, where is the best place to stay up to date with what is happening with everything you are doing? As I know you're doing a lot of things, so it might be a few locations. Yeah. Um, you know, our upcoming website that should be live in like a week is going to be the best place. But if not, uh, just follow me. Um, hey, Jeremy Horn on uh, Twitter and then our Exterio uh, main account. That's kind of like where the, the, the two biggest ways to learn about what's happening. But uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be hard to like miss us when, you, when we announce everything. Awesome. Yeah, it does sound like that you do have some stuff cooking up that it's going to be very difficult to miss. So I'm glad to hear it. So before I go in and do my final wrap up, Jeremy, it's been fantastic having you here. Do you have any final words you'd like to say to the people listening? No, ju just thank you and, you know, to the Exterio and Overworld communities. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I know everybody's really excited to, you know, get things rolling, uh, but I appreciate the support as we decide to kind of, you know, look at where the market is and what is the best uh, way to win. Because if you've worked with me in the past, uh, I'm notorious for saying uh, I want to win like two times a day, uh, but I do want to win. That's all I care about. All you've got to do is win, win, win. Excellent. And it's been fantastic having you up here, Jeremy. I'm pretty certain I could have continued going, asking you more and more questions about everything you have done. But we are set to a time limit. Thank you, everybody that has come along and listened to us today. If you missed the beginning or you missed the end, don't worry. You can listen back to this on the four platforms where this is then given as a podcast. And this week, I'm going to get all four of them right. It is Amazon, Google, Apple and Spotify. 
Four locations you can find Press Play as a podcast to listen at your convenience. Once again, as always, everybody, a big thank you for coming along. If you do need any uh, game guides, game reviews, game news, make sure you head over to polkstarter.gg. Make sure you go and follow Gaspode as well, as he covers a lot of new games that are coming out as well. Make sure you follow me, because I'm wicked cool. And until next time, I will see you all then. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and continue gaming. Goodbye.